And welcome back, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell. You're listening to the Exxon Radio Show on the Talkstar Radio Network. Our toll-free number, 1-877-528-8255. That's toll-free throughout the U.S. and Canada. Alan Watt is our special guest. He is an observer and researcher of mind control techniques used on the masses worldwide from ancient times to the present. He is an expert on ancient religion and the metamorphosis of the same into modern form. Alan has published uh, three books available entitled Cutting Through, Volume 1, 2, and 3. He has appeared on many internet, AM, and shortwave radio programs. And many of his materials are available on his website at www.cuttingthroughthematrix.com. Alan Watt, welcome to the Exxon. Yes, a pleasure. Tell me, Alan, how did you uh, get involved in uh, the um, mind control techniques and what the the perpetrators of mind control have been doing to the masses since very ancient times? Uh, I really grew up um, watching this from, uh, I think, as soon as I could think in Britain and watching the massive changes within the country growing up knowing that something was going on uh, with the the factories moving out of the country um, the way the media was handling the massive unemployment um, and everyone knew that this uh, European trading um, conglomerate really how, how they began the European Union uh, was never called the Union till the end. And sure enough, um, they've only recently declassified the fact that uh, they planned the unification of Europe uh, prior to World War II in the Bryant. It's called the Bryant uh, Plan. Mm-hmm. And uh, Winston Churchill was all for it. Uh, his, his personal secretary has now admitted in a recent book, uh, now that the 50 Years uh, Official Secrets Act is up, that they would get a united Europe out of World War II. And sure enough, um, once they united Europe uh, a couple of years ago, now the declassified information from the governments come out that uh, this was uh, set up a, a bureaucracy to, to merge the laws and the economies and the money standard uh, equivalents in those countries to make merging easy and that the public must never be told the truth until the union was complete. And that has happened. Now, now uh, Alan, why do you think I, I'm getting from the conversation that you really don't agree with the uh, European Union? Well, uh, the thing is, the public truly had no say in this. This was not an ordinary person's plan. This was an agenda that Karl Marx wrote about in the 1840s. Uh, he talks about uh, a tripartite world, uh, three trading blocks, a Pacific mm-hmm. Rim conglomerate, a United Europe, and the United Americas. And he worked really for the, this is the great thing about communism, uh, he worked for the big bankers who already controlled the wealth of the world in his day. Yeah. Uh, they, they set him up in London, uh, Lord Rothschild financed him. And, uh, and as Capital, he laid it all out, the agenda for the world. And you find both sides playing this game really to change society, like uh, Professor Carl Quigley said from Georgetown University, war is not meant to, to simply win and beat an opponent, it's meant to change the cultures of both countries. And so through, through, through creating um, a supposed enemy of capitalism, they actually directed the public to, to, to give up all the rights, basically, um, their nationalities, their customs, 
the cultures and, and basically merge into this new system. So do you believe that this is the agenda of the uh, global elite? Well, it is the agenda, and, and it's not hidden, really. They, they do publish the, their books uh, from their own committee meetings. It, it's just that the mainstream news uh, don't mention it or make it a bestseller, but they do publish the, the, the minutes of their meetings and um, in various publications. The Royal Institute of International Affairs which has all the British Commonwealth countries, has a branch. We have a Canadian branch here. The Canadian Institute, and there's one in Australia, one in India. Um, and, and those guys, I have the, the actual members' copies right here. What's the difference between the New World Order that, we're, that you've just described and the United Nations? The United Nations was to be the initial front group uh, uh, that would set up a bureaucratic system worldwide to, to set up a standardization process of all laws uh, worldwide uh, deal with all social issues because the new world order is to be uh, a world where experts like Lord Bertrand Russell said in his book uh, The Impact of Science on Society uh, he said that the, the coming new world order will be run by experts from the top down and the individual will literally have no say and any free choices in their lifetime. In fact, he said that um, ultimately a person will not be born or allowed to be born unless they have a function to serve the world state. Now, uh, what, are th what are some of the techniques then, Alan, of manipu manipulating the people so that they go along with these agendas without knowing what they're doing? It, it's, it's incredible. It's really fantastic when you get into it. Um, You'll find that the, the so-called, I call them so-called secret societies down through the ages, the higher levels, not the lower levels, uh, always knew this agenda. Um, they claim themselves that the great work to perfect that which was left imperfect, meaning man himself, uh, came down 4,500 B.C. And they've, they've been working all this time intergenerationally to bring about this new type of world of, uh, which is really to be based on a caste system of intellects, uh, intellectuals at the top who are really pretty well inbred, um, the money ones uh, who are called the dominant elite, and then the servers, the ones who serve them. Mm -hmm. uh, Plato wrote about it in ancient Greece. He, he, he put in the book the, the, the Republic, and Plato didn't dream up this plan because uh, he was trained in Egypt, as all the aristocracy of Greece were, and he was initiated into all the, the, the mysteries of, of uh, Greece, of uh, Egypt. He also then moved on to higher temples in the Middle East, and then he, he finished off in India doing the, the higher degrees there before he went back to his home. So, that, so they were doing this uh, tremendous uh, work, uh, planning the future through constant revolutions, and not all revolutions are bloody, to change society into this world to be controlled by experts and the naturally superior, the intellectual elite, basically. So what we're doing is we're talking about turning the world into a corporation. Absolutely. In fact, in their eyes, it always was. Um, I've noticed, I mean, from the days of, of say, Pharaoh, mm -hmm. the pharaohs of Egypt, um, you'll see them portrayed even on their, their caskets. They have their arms crossed. And they have they hold a, a little crook, the shepherd's crook, 
and another hand is the rod, the rod and the staff. And uh, the crook there was a symbol of being the good shepherd. So they always gave religions where the top guys are called good shepherds. Well, now that means that you, the public, who follow are the sheep. sheep. Yeah, I've used that. I've used that analogy many times on this mm -hmm. show. And the sheep, of course, uh, have one function, and that is to be fleeced and ultimately eaten. But they don't know that. Mm -hmm. And a good shepherd comes in, and he will feed the sheep. Uh, they'll get used to him. They like him. He might even talk to them. But when it's time for culling them, which is the real purpose for existing. He'll, he'll, he'll coax one away from the rest out of sight and do his business. Otherwise, he'd spook them. And sheep are the most domesticated animal on the planet. Uh, they've, they've been bred selectively to breed out their natural survival instincts. And so we are basically the end product of, of, a, of a process where they've tried to uh, annihilate our, our survival instincts. And this isn't speculation um, the United Nations has a department uh, working on ways of annihilating what they call the problems in the world, which is your ability to self-discernment, uh, self self-survival, self-preservation. And Arthur Kessler wrote a book called The Ghost in the Machine. Uh, Kessler worked for Stalin, and he came over to New York to work for the UN, and he, his project was on finding ways to chemically lobotomize part of the human brain which uh, allowed you to have your personal survival mechanism. And uh, he put the book out there and he was unrepentant to right through. And he said this will be done either by spraying it on the people, uh, by putting it in their water, by putting it in their food, or else inoculating them, or else all of the above. So is this a possible tie-in to the uh, chemtrails that are seen over the skies? Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. The, the, the chemtrails in Canada, at least in Ontario, began uh, uh, big time on, in 1998. And we do know some of, some of the chemical compositions that are in the map. I've been tested myself. And uh, they're heavy with aluminum oxide. Um, it's also part of weather control, but these guys always put many, they get a big bang for their buck by putting lots of uh, functions into them. Uh, right after 9-11, I noticed Mr. Rumsfeld on television here was asked how they would uh, manage a, a city if there was a worse catastrophe, uh, such as 9-11, and he said, well, we have contingency plans and, and huge supplies of aerosolized Prozac and Valium, which we can spray over entire areas. And I thought, well, I guess they're actually doing it because we're going through the, the greatest changes we've had um, since the Industrial Revolution. And people aren't really caring as, as their freedoms and rights are being taken away. Now, does this also tie in with HARP? Well, absolutely. In fact, I think it was... Um, the founder of the H-bomb, mm -hmm. uh, who, who, who did come up first with this suggestion of loading the sky with uh, aluminum oxide, titanium, and barium uh, extracts, which are all metallic substances, and this would uh, create a much more conductivity within the atmosphere, and then they could use uh, electromagnetic pulsation to, to control weather, but he also did know uh, that it could also um, influence the mood um, 
and, and people in the population. It could make them either very aggressive or tranquil, depending upon the EMP uh, pulse they sent out. All right, stand by, Alan. You and I have to take our break at the bottom of the hour for some commercials and the news. Alan Watt is our special guest. His website is www.cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And if you miss any part of tonight's show, you can always go to our archives. They are free for 30 days at www.xzone-radio.com. And welcome back to the X-Zone, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell. Alan Watt is with us. And uh, we're talking about uh, the global elite. We're talking about the New World Order, manipulation of the masses. And, uh, Alan, what kind of proof do you have for these theories? It's, uh, it's from publications uh, from people involved in, in the actual planning and um, the carrying out of these actual agendas. Uh, as I say, Lord Bertrand Russell was a big player in this. Um, he he belonged to the, the, the uh, Fabian Society in England, which was dedicated to bring about the New World Order, as they called it. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of their symbols was a, a sheep, a wolf in sheep's clothing. Right. They would, and they would use the Fabian technique of of, of uh, slowly introducing a system, generation by generation, to reach their goal. Um, and they've been doing it. He, he wrote many books about this and even said in, in the impact of science on society um, that um, shortly the people will be unable to think for themselves. Uh, he said that a new technique will be used on their minds uh, and they will be oblivious to the fact they're being manipulated. And he was talking about the use of science, of course. Um, we can go back to the 1500s when uh, Francis Bacon um, at Queen Elizabeth I's court and then King James, Francis Bacon wrote The New Atlantis, which was published eventually in 1602. And he was a high Rosicrucian um, of his day, mm-hmm. wrote many books on, on the, the Rosicrucian Brotherhood. And in The New Atlantis, he said a country will arise in the West, meaning America. He said it'll, it'll be called Solomon's Island in the book, uh, after Freemasonry, of course. And he said it will appear to have a form of, of republic, uh, and, uh, democratic government on the, on the surface. He said, but in reality will be run by a secret group of scientists who will live in bases underground and within mountains. And you follow this story uh, in the New Atlantis to the last chapter where he gets into the laboratories. And he said that the whole underground laboratory complex was powered by something which gave off the light of the sun, which reminds me of nuclear energy. And he said um, one of the, the laboratories was dedicated to creating new types of, of vegetables and animals. And he said that the scientists knew exactly the type that they would create because they'd done it all before. In other words, it was not experimental and they could create any kind of, of uh, human creature if they so wished. And they could also, um, they also bred special mosquitoes to carry specially manipulated um, bacterium for warfare purposes. Oh, this, is in the, this is in the late 1500s he wrote this. Now, are you, are you originally from England, right? Scotland, yeah. Scotland. Did you have mosquitoes in Scotland? No. Did they have mosquitoes in England? No. Then how would he know about mosquitoes in North America? 
Well, they'd already been over here. I mean, it's, it's no secret really that the Templars were in North America long before Columbus. Right. And uh, in fact, some of them even there's a there's a church in in Wales where they they, they drew the creatures from Sir Sir John Mandeville, who uh, showed you North American porcupines and so on, and they they put them in the stained glass windows in the wow. church, and that was written in about the the 12th century. All right. So why do you think that that the New World Order wants to take over the world with the people as slaves? What does that accomplish? It, it's not so much slaves. Uh, Charles Galton Darwin, the grandson of of Charles Darwin, was a physicist in the 1950s, and he put a book out called The Next Million Years, and he talked about the need to cull off uh, the the working classes, the lower classes, because there were too many of them. And in the world they were creating, which would be a technological world, that the working classes will be of no more use. So what is what the New World Order is planning global genocide? Oh, yeah. I mean, they've admitted that. Jacques Cousteau admitted that in, in one of the big uh, uh, newspaper um, uh, magazine uh, interviews he had. He said they'd have to kill off 340,000 per day to, to, to save the world and the animal life and so on. And you, you find other statements made by the, the big players. Uh, Prince Philip was one of them in his book, uh, If I Were an Animal, I'd Come Back as a Virus or a Great Plague and, and Wipe Out Most of the People. They, they discussed this at their big meetings. The Club of Rome was set up to figure ways out to depop, radically depopulize uh, the world. Wouldn't it be easier just to introduce birth control to a lot of the nations that don't uh, even know it exists? Uh, they they have been doing that uh, in a sort of compulsory uh, situation in Africa where they will sterilize the men uh, and they give them an, a, a card, a credit card, if, if they do so, and um, they will withdraw money every week. So they've been trying many, many... I mean, the, the, the UN has a big department of, of population control. We always think of the UN as, uh, you know, this Orwellian peacekeepers who walk out with guns. They used to be called soldiers. And, uh, but no, they're not handing out bread. Um, they're over there as soldiers. Uh, but the UN also has a side of it next to the World Health Organization called Department of Population Control. And they mean it that they've had that since they were the League of Nations back at the end of World War One. All right, so why are why have we, as citizens of the world, allowed the New World Order to become so po uh, so powerful? Because we didn't know it was actually happening. All right, so and, what and we, we didn't know it was happening for different reasons, the, the real reasons that they wanted it. Uh, they, they said themselves, I mean, H.G. Wells was a propagandist for the Royal Institute of International Affairs and MI5. Uh, he, he was a front man to put the propaganda out for them. And um, through fiction and non-fiction, and a member of the Fabian Society, mm -hmm. uh, chartered by the British Crown. And uh, in the shape of things to come, he went through the agenda in a, in a sci-fi type way. And he talks about the final battle will be... He, he mentioned three world wars coming up, and this is prior to World War One, And... Uh, the Third World War, he said, would begin in Basra, which is where the British troops went into Iraq. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's in his, his novel. And he said, then the police of the air will literally drop stuff on the population 
and they will have to succumb to a new way of living, uh, a society with experts and scientists running the world, where rather than let the ordinary people make um, decisions for themselves, because they truly believe that the ordinary people are incapable of making the right decisions for I themselves. I agree with him. I agree with him 100%. Mm-hmm. Well, We've well got, we are, you know, like a lot of the people out there don't have a clue what is going on, and they don't want to know. It's called the ostrich syndrome. I agree they, with that. They yeah. like to put their head in the sand, mm-hmm. and they they are oblivious to what the, what's going on in their surroundings. They've and been trained to be that way. I don't think it's a matter of training. I, I believe it's a matter of just not giving a damn anymore. It's also training, because this was a... They said that a long time ago they would initiate this through the school system, uh, through the media, and mm-hmm. and uh, they've, they've done it basically. They've socialized the public to such an extent that they think it's a natural system that all these experts and bureaucracies are taking care of them. All right. So what? So what do you? What should the public do? You know, I think the public better inform them very quickly themselves very quickly as to what's really going on. Uh, read the publications put out by the elite themselves. Read the, the reports from the Club of Rome, uh-huh. uh, because that's all to do with, with what areas have to be depopulated and by how many. And uh, read up even even the nefarious means of the fad of already reducing the populations. Um, Doctor Sock, who did the polio vaccine, mm-hmm. I have a video of him candidly admitting that he knew there were over 140 live simian viruses in every shot and he'd said the simian 40 virus only had one one function and that was to produce cancer so they knew this kind of stuff and then when you go into the background of Dr. Sock he belonged to the American Rockefeller Eugenics Society they truly believed in a world of of an elite and a vastly reduced uh, population of of basically slaves alright so so if I understand what you're saying is that there are these people with the power who just want to kill off everybody so that they can be the only show in town. They can be the masters of the Do you think that's the proper, the right and place to do to be so? Uh, at the Loyola meeting, uh, university meeting, uh, four years ago, mm-hmm. there was a world science meeting sponsored by uh, the U.S. Department of, Com- um, of Commerce. Right. And Newt Gingrich was kicked off as a main speaker. And then he was followed by these scientists and microprocessors uh, and actual chip implants and so on. And they turned out 600 pages on this agenda, which is coming up. They said that first will be the ID card, which will be a stepping stone towards actually a chip insertion in every individual. They said that these chips have been tried and tested. They work. They have the regional computers set up uh, to handle the populations around them. And, in, and then this, and the guy from Japan, Tokyo said, uh, when this is in, uh, inserted and its main purpose is switched on, there will be no such thing as individuality. They said, um, think of it more like the beehive it will be impossible for an individual to even perceive of themselves as a separate, distinct individual. And then he said, um, uh, well, it's more like the Borg of Star Trek. How did you get get involved so deeply in this topic? What was your inspiration? What was your motive? 
I went through school, um, and I was picked out as a gifted child before it became a fad and, and, and parents indoctrinate them and that, that's all they do is learn. All right, so, so after you got out of school, uh, mm -hmm. uh, what did you do professionally? I went into medicine. Are you a doctor? I did complete it because I went very young. Mm -hmm. Are you and a doctor? And then I went into music. I was in the music profession for quite a while. And so I, with the session guitar, I wrote some musicals. I, in fact, I performed in some of them. Mm -hmm. Um and wrote songs for our people, you know. And I also play classical guitar solo sometimes on, in theaters. And what are some of the songs that you've written that our listeners might, might know? Uh, I dare not say because some of them were sold. <laughs> some of them were sold to other people, and uh, I don't think people realize that, that many of the artists don't actually write their own songs. And All right, it, without breaking the confidentiality between you and your clients, any of the yeah. songs that we're aware of, are they songs you've written? Yes, it would be, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so, so you went from a gifted child to the medical profession, from the medical profession into the music industry, oh. and from the music industry? Uh, through what I experienced there, too, seeing a completely different... I saw that the people... Um, at the time, I didn't know the term, and I found the term later, mm -hmm. from Tavistock Institute in England, where all culture creation is, comes from, by the way, um... Uh, that people are programmed uh, through movies and song, through 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 media, through through so many different ways, into shaping the, the way of thinking towards particular things and the future, and this is called predictive programming. Um, the, the the Rothschild set up uh, organizations in the late 1800s mm -hmm. to fund novelists to write certain things around. Uh, specific stories to do the science fiction and so sure enough uh, along comes the 20th century and we see the science fiction type thing that taken off into reality with NASA etc and the public thought this was a natural evolution and they were excited about it mm -hmm. mainly because they've been brought up reading novels and how exciting it would be and this is called predictive programming so would we be programming our children when we read them fairy tales it would depend on the fairy tales. Uh, we, we know that they're using them in cartoons nowadays. Uh, you'll see cartoons now, um, uh, as they did say at that Loyola meeting, uh, this will be promoted through cartoons, through kindergarten and school, novels and movies as a proactive thing. And I noticed a cartoon the other day where a little rabbit mm -hmm. got stuck by this robot and put in a machine and then they put a brain, in, a chip in his brain, you know. So... And, of course, the, the, then he had superpowers, and that's how they're going to sell the idea to the young. This I is see. all predictive programming. We think, we think we're evolving, and we're meant to think that, but in actuality, the future was all shaped for us. By who? By, by the culture creators. And they do create culture, like Plato said thousands of years ago. We give the people their culture. We also give the people the power. Uh, no, not really. If, if you disagree? Culture, um, and they manipulate your culture. And Plato said no, no culture is allowed to come from the grassroots because in a world of order, he said, anything unforeseen could have undesirable consequences and a rippling effect. Uh, Alan, uh, why do you think that there's so much gloom and doom in this world today? You know, everybody seems to be so negative on the government, so negative on society. Uh, 
Is it possible because the populace is getting mixed messages? You know, they're getting messages from those who believe there's a worldwide conspiracy, the new world order. Yeah. The government is saying one thing, we're being taught another. You know, mm -hmm. that that's all part of it. And I don't. It's not a conspiracy. H.G. Wells wrote a book uh, on behalf of the Royal Institute of International Affairs and the Fabian Society, and the book was called The Open Conspiracy. He said everything you need is in the libraries, and it is, in fact, most of these books are. And um, Zygmunt Brzezinski, who was an advisor to the five presidents, including the president one, put a book out called Between Two Ages. Uh, in there, there's a technotronic era about the, the use of scientific um, manipulation of, of the minds of the public as we go through this big transitional phase towards new, new world order. But you know, there's also books out there about Santa Claus, the Easter Bunny, the yeah, Christmas Sandman. You know, is, like uh, he's a big player in this. You know, he's a big player if you believe the concept. Well, I've seen that the concepts actually what he's said has come true so far. They are using these techniques on the public. So tell me, what are you doing to change things? Informing people to start asking questions, read these books. Um, contact these agencies and, and tell them, hey, you know, we, we read your publications, we watch your international meetings, and uh, who gives you the right to decide the fate of the public without uh, having input from the public? No, the public isn't doing anything about it, then it's the public who's giving them the power. Ultimately, you're right, yeah. Ultimately, you're right. If, if, uh, if they turn their head away because uh, they are making choices, then they're, they're, they are literally condemning themselves. All right, where do you think 9-11 plays into this? 9-11 had to happen because uh, Zygmunt Brzezinski, again, a big player, um, is a part of the New American Century organization uh, with talk with Wolfowitz, um, Cheney, Rumsfeld, and the Bush. It's a private organization, but they published on the website in 92 and then they updated in 98 uh, about the coming uh, wars in the Middle East, beginning, they said, with Afghanistan, then Iraq, then, Syri then Iran and Syria. And they said, we will need something on a Pearl Harbor event to motivate the public behind us. Uh, Brzezinski put his book out called The Grand Chessboard on behalf of the New American Century with the same format, same country invasion, one after another. And... Um, and, it, and again, saying we need something on a Pearl Harbor event where America is attacked. And, and Al, bang, it happened, you know. Alan, I want to thank you very much for joining us tonight. We have to say goodnight. We've run out of time. Alan Watt, his website is www.cuttingthroughthematrix.com.